You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, WHTT.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to entitle this Neo-Christians Put Israel First But Other Christians Last. And we've seen this with recent events in Israel, particularly with the ceremony to install the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem and all the activity in Gaza, the killing of innocent protesters there in Gaza by the Israeli military force. And so what we see, of course, is a blindness, which we've talked about for years, by neo-Christians or what we also refer to as Christian Zionists who put Israel first above anything else. And so there is some bright spot here out of all this in the fact that more people are becoming aware of what the Israelis would do. Maybe not as many as we would like here in the United States. We still see very biased reporting from our media on what's going on in Gaza and the killing of innocent people there. Even children are being targeted by Israeli snipers who Interestingly enough, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, commended to the IDF soldiers their bravery. I don't know how in anybody's right mind shooting at people by a sniper from safe distance constitutes bravery. But we've seen a lot of interesting developments. I think one that uh, we'll start off here with Chuck is from a rabbi based in Israel that kind of defines the problem here, Chuck? Yes. On the subject of the U.S. Embassy, there's been many, many editorials in all over the world, and one of them I noticed was in the Jerusalem Post, a very prominent Israeli publication. I don't know whether you would consider it to be a left-wing Israeli publication or right-wing or what, but it's a big, famous Jerusalem Post. The writer is Rabbi Weiss, and he gave profuse thanks to the American Christian Zionist movement for swinging the vote and pushing through. And, and by the way, he includes President Donald Trump as one of the Christian Zionists in America. And he said it was time to give thanks to the Christian right because they're the ones who really delivered the embassy question. Now, this embassy question is a big political deal there. I don't plan to go into why it's important, but basically it puts the American embassy to the state of Israel on land that doesn't belong to the state of Israel, it belongs to the Palestinian people. So it's a huge encroachment, and everybody knows it, except for the Americans, it seems. And Rabbi Weiss was just simply being grateful and thankful of this and giving credit where he thought it was due to the Christian movement, which he called Christian Zionism. He went on and on for several pages. Jerusalem Post covered it nicely. When it came to explaining, he tried to explain why 
this group of Christians in America would act so differently from the other Christians and would stand up for this embassy thing. And in attempting to do that, he didn't have a clue, frankly. He finally reached back into the old book of Nehemiah. He made a broad statement of what it meant. And he basically talked about the Persian king Cyrus, and who, uh, who felt sympathetic toward his Israelite minority in his kingdom, who had, uh, I guess, been removed and put there. Anyway, we won't get into how they got there, but he then gave them permission to go back and rebuild the wall around the temple, which had been knocked down. And this allowed their return eventually. And he, according to Rabbi Weiss, he even paid for the building of the temple. So he did a good deed from a minority people that he didn't have to do. And this is what essentially he gave as his explanation of why the American evangelical Christian Zionist movement reached out and stole a piece of land away from the helpless Palestinians and helped give it to the state of Israel. And this is something that I found that Jews don't understand at all. I was at several events over the weekend, and quite a few of my local Jewish friends and Jewish Voices for Peace and other organizations, ex-professor at Denver University was there speaking, and these were events were all held in churches that you would call mainline churches. They were Presbyterian. Uh, they were uh, not Southern Baptist Convention, nor were they churches that have proclaimed John Hagee. Uh, they were not Christian Zionist churches. And I found that in these churches, they made a very strong effort to understand what was going on in the Holy Land, what was going on with the Palestinian people. They were very interested, but they really didn't have any better idea about why the evangelical churches are even defending the events in Gaza where 57 people were killed with sniper rifles from distances up to 300 yards. Can you believe that? For doing nothing more than throwing rocks at people behind barricades. And this is basically supported by this one crowd, and the rest of the crowd doesn't know why. And neither do the people who are getting the benefits of it understand why. So what I'm saying is that our explanations of why our neighbors and our friends and our families, they're involved in doing this, why they're doing it, where they've gone astray, how scripture has been distorted to lead them to do this. This is the job that remains undone. And I just wanted to point that out to uh, everyone here that our objective has been to try to seek peace and to seek peace by ending this movement of Christian Zionism that essentially supports every war in the Middle East and has supported everyone since 2001. And so this is essentially what our task remains. And I got to tell you, folks, there are a lot of people in a lot of churches that are trying to do something about it now and are very concerned about what's going on in the White House. But they still don't understand what is behind Christian Zionism, how it got that way, what people really have swallowed in order to support John Hagee's thoughts and views and, and the ideas of Israel's domination over the people in Palestine with guns when they're basically unarmed. This brutality has come to the forefront 
I don't think anybody can honestly say they haven't seen brutality by Israel in the last month, uh, if they watch anything on the news. But the understanding is very poor. Well, Chuck, thanks for that. One of the things as sort of a counter to this is a video, and we'll have a link to it, by a rabbi, Yaakov Shapiro. He's an Orthodox rabbi from Brooklyn, New York. This was after President Trump announced the move, movement of our embassy to Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the Jewish people. And what Rabbi Shapiro said is really worth noting. It was a very logical reply, and here's just a part of what he said. Quote, there is no political relationship between the Jewish people and Jerusalem. It's merely a holy city. The Jewish people didn't have a capital. We never had a capital. Countries have a capital. States have capitals. And then he defines capital as the most important town or city of a country or a region. The Jewish people are not a country or region. The Jewish people are a religious community that relates to Jerusalem as a holy city, not as a political capital city. Zionists started the idea of the capital of the Jewish people being Jerusalem. And he concludes Israel is not the Jewish people. And so all this we've seen uh, through the Schofield Reference Bible is, is a conditioning to accept these alternative views of the Bible that we explain in our award-winning film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and Turning, which you can watch uh, online. It's only 29 minutes to help you better understand what Christian Zionism is about and why they hold so tightly to these ideas and embrace things like moving our embassy to Jerusalem. And I've heard it from people in my church that they've said, oh, they're so glad that we're moving the embassy to Jerusalem. And it's all because of this conditioning that we've seen. And our efforts, of course, are to try to open people's eyes. One of the people that we... Uh, highly recommend uh, that has done a wonderful job in what I would call peacemaking is the Anglican priest, Dr. Stephen Sizer. And uh, he's written several books on Christian Zionism, Christian Zionism Roadmap to Armageddon. And the other book is Zion's Christian Soldiers, the Bible, Israel, and the Church. And he recently formed a, a group called peacemaker trust and i found it interesting he just uh, wound up a two-week stay in australia uh, visiting with and presenting his ideas about peacemaking there in australia and let me just quote a little bit from a story this is a um, australian magazine called site we'll have a link to it Invited by various groups, including Palestine-Israel Ecumenical Network and Fighting Fathers Ministries, Reverend Dr. Sizer is spending a couple of weeks in Australia speaking at a series of events on a mission to deconstruct how the Bible has, in his words, been, quote, misused to justify what he describes as the apartheid regime in Israel today and how Christians can be involved in bringing peace to the region how to be part of the solution rather than a problem in the Middle East 
not siding with either the Israeli regime or the Palestinian Authority, but identifying with the Christians in the Middle East who are working for peace and reconciliation, explains Dr. Sizer, who founded the trust a few years ago so he could work full-time in peacemaking work. His stance of not taking sides is one which runs contrary to that of the estimated 60 to 100 million Christians around the world, including many evangelicals in the U.S., who identify today as, quote-unquote, Christian Zionists. That's a term which Reverend Dr. Sizer says once simply meant giving support for the idea of a Jewish homeland and to those Jews who faced persecution during World War II, but has now moved well beyond that and come to mean giving uncritical support for the Israeli state, a position which results in some U.S. churches, for example, giving unqualified support to controversial Israeli settlements in the Palestinian territories, as well as supporting U.S. President Donald Trump's decision last year to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And so there are voices out there, and we hope that people that listen to this will look into some of these claims here. Craig, you got any thoughts? And again, it, it kind of keeps coming back. Follow the money. Why Israel exists is because of Truman, and that Truman, you signed the documents, put the U.S. support behind the, the Zionist effort, and to the tune of $2 million that the Zionists dumped into his political campaign. So again, follow the money, and you'll see where it leads. Like that one rabbi said, this is not a religious experience for the Jewish people. This is a secular, and that a lot of them are atheists. They are not practicing Jews, and yet here we are with this Jewish state that the Christian Zionists bow down and support. Again, not a religious entity at all, but a very secular, humanistic, and in a lot of cases, atheistic. So follow the money, and there's no logical reason for Christian to support this Zionist agenda. A very good point, Craig, and this Rabbi Shapiro actually pointed out that very thing about the Zionists not being religious, any stretch of the imagination, but they used the Bible to justify what they were doing, and of course, the neo-Christians that we refer to, or Christian Zionists, of course, have pick up the ball uh, on that one and say that it is justified by their interpretation of the Bible. I don't think you'll find many rabbis who will come out and admit that 85% of the Jews in Israel, by some polls, uh, have admitted that they don't believe there is a God. I I don't think many rabbis can do that. So they will always uh, talk about it being a religious community in some respect, but then when it comes down to how it acts, religion has very little to do with it. I guess one reason a rabbi really can't say that most Jews in Israel don't really believe there is a God or an afterlife, one reason that they may be reluctant to say that is because they don't want to lose the support of the Christian Zionists, and they think that Christian Zionists do believe in God and that they would, they might walk away if they thought that all the Jews, most of the Jews didn't. No, it's the case of conditioning, and from this article about Stephen Sizer, he points out some salient points there. 
he, referring to Dr. Sizer, says ideas surrounding Christian Zionism as it looks today first emerged in Europe in the 18th and 19th centuries and were subsequently exported to the U.S. where they were adopted by the likes of D.L. Moody and Cyrus Schofield of the Schofield Reference Bible. He adds that he doesn't believe the central tenet of Christian Zionism as it is today, which centers on the concept that, quote, God has had two people, Israel and the church, and that they are separate and and promises made in the scriptures either apply to the church or to Israel, an idea known in theological terms as dispensationalism, fit with scripture. Reverend Dr. Sizer points out that in the Old Testament book of Esther, for example, it speaks in chapter 8 of the many, quote-unquote, many people of other ethnicities who became Jews after the Persian king Xerxes issued a decree in support of them. Quote, what does that mean? It means that from the time of Esther on, 400 to 500 B.C., a Jew was not necessarily someone who was descended from Abraham, unquote. He points out to Ezekiel chapter 7, where in verses 21 to 23, God speaks of the distribution of land among the tribes of Israel. Quote, you are to distribute the land among yourselves according to the tribes of Israel. You are to allow it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the foreigners residing among you and who have children. You are to consider them as native-born Israelites. Along with you, they are to be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel in whatever tribe a foreigner resides. There you are to give them their inheritance, unquote, declares the sovereign Lord. Stephen Sizer is a terrific scholar and does a great job, and I'm sure glad we have him. However, it comes down to each one of us who are asked, what is Christian Zionism? Why is it that you don't believe in it? Why is it wrong? What is it doing? Never mind what it's doing. What do Christian Zionists really do believe? What's the core belief? And we all should be able to uh, have our own notion that we can defend as the best way we want to put that uh, in our own personal ways. And I wonder who would like to start by saying, what is Christian Zionism? If the pastor of the First Baptist Church down the street asked you what you think Christian Zionism is, how would you define it, knowing what he thinks? Well, I think Craig could answer that because he's our latest hardcore Christian Zionist that came out of that deception. Well, obviously, the first question we always ask, and it's kind of our uh, litmus test, if you will, do you believe that the current state of Israel is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy? And that pretty much sums it up how a person answers that. And if they say yes, they do, my next question would be, well, what scriptures are you using to justify that? And typically what they always come up with is the prophecies concerning the return from Babylon to the Holy Land. To extend that to something else, like the Ezekiel passage, uh, again, saying that the dry bones being reconstituted, that's 1948. Well, no, those dry bones are the Israel returning from Babylon, the captivity there. So they take scripture that does have an application and extend it out to a modern-day application 
which is totally erroneous. And they also seem to fail on a constant basis that the only prophecies concerning Israel returning to the land was to return in repentance and obedience. And when you see a secular atheistic state like we've got now, that in itself would disqualify any return to the land as being a prophetic fulfillment. question I think would come up right away was, yes, but Jesus talked about fulfillment, didn't he? Well, that's right. You know, Chuck, when we look at you know, Galatians 3, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament passages and scripture and so forth. He is the embodiment of God incarnate on the earth. And we have to look to his, his teachings and in what came out of the, the New Testament. And there's nothing about a Israel being reconstituted in any way, shape, or form. The Zionists, Christian or otherwise, always have to go back and try to pull passages out of the Old Testament and say they have a modern interpretation. But there's nothing in the New Testament that supports that and justifies that. And they often quote Romans chapter 11 when it talks about, and all Israel will be saved. But you have to go back a few verses and you realize what Paul is talking about there is all is not Israel, that is Israel. In other words, that the people that have come to know Christ are the fulfillment of the covenants of the seed of Christ, the, the blessings, the promise is the fulfillment in Christ, and we are a part of that as Israel. So it gets really, really convoluted fast when these Christian Zionists take these passages in like Romans 11 and twist them around to mean something they want them to mean. Again, it, it comes out of the Schofield Reference Bible, Dallas Theological Seminary. This is what the, the pastors are taught. The pastors teach this to the congregation. The congregation, you know, vote and support their Zionist congressmen. So it's a, a terrible situation. And until the education level in the church gets to a point where they can recognize that, wow, we've been duped for the last hundred and some odd years. That's a tough pill to swallow. It was tough for me to swallow, and I think for all of us, to realize that what you believed and held as a core belief for such a long period of time is false. And that all of a sudden you, you wake up and go, oh my word, look at the consequences of what I believed. And I was, I was so deceived. That's great, and you had a, a great little one-line definition of what it is, and that's so important to be able to give people something they can remember that, that they can go home and actually think about. And, and it isn't buried in tons of scripture and footnotes. Of course, uh, the next step, of course, with the uh, educated and trained neo-Christian is that he flees to the book of Revelations. And he talks about all of this is predicted in the end times. And that's kind of when you know that the guy is kind of lost for what to say when he charges into Revelations and starts talking about it'll all come true in the end times at Armageddon. Carol, do you want to add something? Yeah, Tom, thank you. This goes without saying, of course, but in all the near four decades that I have spent studying this political state of Israel, this whole question, the strongest conviction I've always had is the fact that as a political state located in the Holy Land of Palestine, this Israel really has no moral nor legal right to even exist. That's where I start from, okay? Based on how it was established, plus the unconscionable policies and actions that it has committed 
since then in its 70 years of existence. That's just one point. And another thing is, I have to tell you that as an American, I really feel ashamed by the actions of my president, Donald Trump, going out of his way, every chance he gets going out of his way, it seems, to recognize, further recognize, and give legitimacy to a political entity that really is very illegitimate. And then a final point that I'd like to say is that almost as if to emphasize his stand for Israel, there is uh, now, I think Israel has struck a commemorative coin honoring their 70-year existence as a so-called nation with Donald Trump's image on that coin. And to me, that is very sad. Well, thank you, everybody, for all the opinions on this. And we, as followers of Christ, need to put our fellow Christians, wherever they may be, first and foremost in our thoughts. Bowing down to a secular state like Israel just doesn't make sense. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small think big, and press on towards the straight gate.